Good morning again, and um, really nice to see some visitors this morning. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Mark chapter 8. So open up there to Mark chapter 8, and you'll see there from verse 22 to verse 30. Mark chapter 8. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm actually going to do a bit of cheating. I'm going to go and read from verse 14. Um, from verse 14 down to verse 21, that's really going to highlight why we need the passage that's up on the screen there. So Mark chapter 8, and we'll read from verse 14. <clears throat> this is God's word. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves, for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea, Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Now, here are three points right at the start. I'll just tell you what they are. Point number one is the problem. Point number two is the solution. And point number three is the confession. And the reason that I wanted to um, bring up the verse 14 and onwards was because it reveals to us the problem um, in detail, the same problem that we see about what people say about Jesus. Now, there's this discussion going on between the disciples after Jesus feeds the 4,000, they're looking at each other going, who forgot to bring the bread? Because they only got one loaf of bread on the boat. And there's 12 of them, plus there's Jesus. And they're, they're worried now. They're like, who, who didn't bring the bread? And Jesus tells them something spiritual. He goes, hey, don't be influenced by, by Herod. Don't be influenced by um, the Pharisees. He tells them something spiritual. And then what do they do straight after that? They look at each other again and go, who didn't bring the bread? And so they're so worried about this, um, their bodily needs. They're so worried about physical things that when Jesus tells them the spiritual truth, it just flies straight over their head. One minute they're talking about bread, Jesus interjects. 
And then straight after he does that, they just go back to what they were doing before, talking about bread. And then Jesus says in verse 18, do you have eyes and you still don't see? So the problem is spiritual blindness. Their eyes are wide open to the physical bodily needs that they have. They're, They're so busy discussing it. But their blindness is towards spiritual things. They have a spiritual blindness. And then Jesus goes on in this conversation and he says, do you remember when I fed the 5,000? How many baskets were left over? They go, oh, well, there's 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread. And what about when I fed the 4,000? Oh, there were, there were seven. So there's all of these baskets of bread left over. They've got the guy in the boat who can provide baskets full of bread. And they're looking at each other going, who forgot the bread? They're totally blind to who Jesus is and totally blind to who exactly is in the boat with them. This is the one who just fed 9,000 men plus the women plus the children without any effort. Now they're looking at each other going, who forgot the bread? So here's the problem, spiritual blindness. And this is something that the whole world suffers with. In fact, Every person who has ever lived in the whole world suffers from this problem, spiritual blindness. We are blind to spiritual things. Our eyes are wide open to natural things and material things. In fact, those are some of the biggest philosophies in the world today. Materialism. Materialism says that only the material things are important. Don't worry about anything spiritual or anything supernatural. Naturalism says the same thing. Just worry about natural things. Don't worry about anything spiritual. It's not even there. But that's not the only part of this problem. Those are not the only people who suffer from this problem. As we go down and Jesus says, um, who do people say that I am? He gives them a discussion question. We see another side to this problem. There are people who just flat out deny anything spiritual. But then there are people, if you look down in verse 28, this is the response to Jesus' question, who do they say that I am? Verse 28, this is what the disciples reply. John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others say one of the prophets. So the problem is spiritual blindness, but not just spiritual blindness, spiritual blindness towards who Jesus Christ is. That's the, that's the problem that every single person in the whole world has to deal with. Spiritual blindness towards who Jesus Christ is. Some people say flat out, there is no Jesus Christ. There is no supernatural God who stepped into the world. But then there are some people who look at Jesus, cannot deny the historical evidence for him being here. And they say, well, maybe he wasn't the Christ, but he was a good teacher, or he was among the prophets, or he was sort of like John the Baptist or Elijah, you know, these wonderful big prophets. You know, we're not denying that he was, uh, that, that he was on earth. We're just saying that he wasn't who he claimed himself to be. That's the problem that everyone suffers from. It's either that they flat out deny Jesus or that they get him totally wrong and distort his identity. That's the biggest problem in the world today. We talked in the service right at the start when we talked about Christian contentment, the the wars that go on, the the economic downturn. We've talked about um, the virus and any other virus that may come. Those are big problems. All of them are tiny compared to this problem of spiritual blindness towards who Jesus Christ is. That's the problem. 
That's the first point. I just wanted to identify that and hopefully we can all see that there in this passage. Now the next two points, the solution and the confession, we'll look at the solution first. So the passage that we see there from verse 22 down to verse 26, this is about Jesus healing a blind man. So do you see what Mark is doing here? He's saying that they have eyes, but they can't see. And then at the end, Peter has eyes. What happens in the middle? There is this healing of the blind man. Peter didn't, uh, Mark didn't put that there by mistake. This is, this is Mark showing how a person must be healed from their spiritual blindness. He uses this physical healing as sort of a parable miracle to point us to the actual solution. So let's look together at this healing of the blind man. So his friends bring him. They bring him to Jesus and ask Jesus to touch him. And Jesus takes him by the hand. Of course, the man can't see where Jesus is. Jesus is loving and caring and compassionate. He grabs him by the hand, takes him away from all the noise, takes him outside. And then Jesus speaks to the man in a way that the man can understand. He touches the man. The, the man doesn't know what it's like to see anything. He can't see Jesus' hands. He can't see Jesus in front of him, but he can feel Jesus when Jesus touches him. He can hear Jesus when Jesus talks to him. And so Jesus does this. So Jesus takes him out for this healing. But let me tell you what Jesus does not do. Jesus does not employ any man-made solutions. Now, if there was a blind man here with us this morning, and we said, oh, maybe it's a lighting problem. Let's turn on all the lights. Everyone turn on your, your phone torch. Maybe that's going to help him. The man's blind. Light will not help the man see. Well, what if we give the man some glasses? Maybe that will help him. Maybe we should employ that man-made method of giving him some glasses, some spectacles, and maybe he will see better. The man is blind. The glasses will not help. There are no man-made fixes for the problem that this guy has. He needs a miracle. He needs a, a miraculous surgery. And that's what Jesus performs for him. And when we talk about spiritual blindness, that big problem that everyone in the world suffers from, we look for solutions in every corner of the world. What if we educate the man? What if we change his behavior patterns? What if we send him to a prestigious school? What if we sign him up for a sports team? Maybe then his spiritual lack will be filled. Do you see, people look for answers everywhere. All of these man-made solutions, but none of them will help with spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness is a solution, is, is, sorry, a problem that is far too deep that any human solution could help. We must be clear about that. So there is nowhere to turn for this blind man. There is nowhere to go. And for the spiritually blind who get Jesus wrong, there is nowhere to go. There is only one place that they can go and be healed of their spiritual blindness, and that's to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see Jesus' new method of healing. Jesus can heal any way he wants to. He could have just said to the man, be healed. The man would have been healed. Jesus could have said nothing and just touched the man and he would have been healed. But Jesus just shows how sovereign he is over any situation. He can, any way he wants to, heal someone. And so he uses spit in this instance and he touches the man. And something else I want you to see in this passage. If you look at verse 23, it says there, and Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he spit in his eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, do you see anything? Now, this is what's really interesting. Is 
when Jesus does this, usually in every single other case of healing, the person is healed immediately. There is no stage two healing. But what happens is this man can't see clearly. He, he, he looks and he can see things moving, but it looks like people are just trees that are walking. And so Jesus in verse 25 works on him again. It says, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know all the ins and outs of why there was a two-stage healing. This is the only place in the whole New Testament and the record of Jesus' healing ministry where there is sort of a two-stage healing. But let me tell you what I do know. And let me tell you what I'm very confident in. If Jesus starts something, he will not let it be half-finished. You have to understand that. If Jesus starts something, he will bring it to completion. Jesus does not have anything on his resume that was half-finished. Everything that Jesus does, he completes. You have to be confident in that. Paul's certainly confident in that. In Philippians 1.6, he says, And I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a half-pie Harry. Jesus will complete everything that he starts. He has not left this man in his spiritual blindness, and his physical blindness, rather. He brings his work to completion. So you can be confident if Jesus has started something in you, he will finish it. Jesus always finishes his work. What this encounter with the blind man is showing us is that solution for spiritual blindness is outside of us. There is no solution that is inside of us. There is no solution that is inside of our friend or our neighbor or our spouse or our children or our parents. No one can help us with this problem. The problem is outside of us and it has to be dealt with from someone outside of us that doesn't already have this problem. It shows that Jesus has to intervene. It shows that Jesus, by his miraculous power, must bring sight to the blind. And this is um, sort of reinforced the same account in Matthew, in Matthew 16 and, and verse 16 and 17. If you go there in your own time, that can be homework. Um, Jesus says to them the same question. Who do they say that I am? They give the same answer. And then he says, who do you say that I am? And they give this answer. You are the Christ. And what he says to Peter after Peter says this, is he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, you didn't come up with this because of your education. You didn't come up with this because of your IQ level. You didn't come up with this because someone else told you. The reason your spiritual blindness has been lifted is because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. In other words, something miraculous must happen. Something outside of you that is not someone who suffers from the same problem must help you. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is the solution. The problem is that we see Jesus the wrong way or we don't see him at all. The solution is that God goes to work on us. The solution is that God begins something in us and he finishes that thing in us. And he does that by revealing to us. He has to reveal it to us so that we might see Jesus the way that Jesus truly is. And anyone whom God lifts that spiritual blindness off of will make a confession 
about Jesus. They got Jesus wrong the whole time before. That was the great problem. God intervenes and brings a solution. Now, as a consequence of that solution, the fruits of that solution that God brings, the, the change that God brings to a spiritually blind person is that they will confess the truth about Jesus. And we see that here in Peter's wonderful confession. And this is a wonderful thing. Is it happens on the way to somewhere. You know, this is a conversation that Jesus starts while they're on a journey. And he says to them, who do people say that I am? They say, they get you wrong, Jesus. They think you're John the Baptist. They think you're Elijah. They think you're one of the prophets. And Jesus takes this discussion question, and it's easy to have discussion questions. Who do they say that I am? Okay, it's easy to talk about that. And he turns it into a personal question. He says, well, who do you say that I am? Don't worry about what anyone else says about me. I'm asking you, what do you say about me? Who do you say that I am? And Peter's wonderful response, he says in verse 29, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. And that is the confession that everyone who was touched by God, who Jesus miraculously heals, will say, you are the Christ. Now, that word Christ is a very, very big word. And I remember as a young fellow thinking that must be the last name of Jesus because it's always tagged on after Jesus. That must be his last name. Well, it's not his last name. The Christ is a title. Now, the Christ is the Greek term for what the Hebrews would call a Messiah. So Messiah and Christ, they both mean the anointed one, the one whom God has chosen. And this Messiah will act in, in three different offices. He will act as the prophet. He will reveal to us exactly what God is like. He will not only say to us what God says, but he will show us what God is like. He is the perfect example of the invisible God. He's the exact imprint. Right? He is God in physical display. When you look at Jesus, that is the most revelation you will ever get from God. If you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. That is exactly what God is like. So he is the perfect prophet. He says everything that his father says, and he not only says it, but he displays it. So he's the prophet that we all need because we do not know God, and we need him to reveal to us who God is. Not only is he the perfect prophet, but he's also the perfect priest. You might remember in the Old Testament, there were a whole bunch of priests. And the whole tribe of Levi, they were in charge of having high priests and other priests who would work in the priesthood. And the job of a priest is to stand in between a sinner and a holy God and offer sacrifice. But the problem was in the Old Testament, the priest was no good and the sacrifice was no good. But Jesus is the perfect priest because he, he can stand there and be accepted by God. He can stand there and actually offer himself as a sacrifice that is acceptable to God and be able to bring guilty people to be friends with God. Not only is he the perfect prophet and perfect priest, but he is the perfect king. We need a king. We need someone who can defeat our enemies. And the biggest enemy that we have is our sin and death. There is no one in this room who can confront sin and death and come out a winner. The only one who can conquer sin and conquer death is Jesus Christ. Didn't we see that with his resurrection? He dies, and three days later, he defeats death 
and comes back. He's the one who is, is the killer of death. He brings death to death. So he is the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, and the perfect king. And when you see that word Christ, that word is loaded with all of that and more. And that's what Peter says when God has lifted his spiritual blindness. He looks and confesses, you are the Christ. Now, what we must do this morning is just as the Lord Jesus turned it in from a discussion question, because now we could say, what do the disciples say about Jesus? It's, it's a discussion question. What are they saying? Well, they're saying that he is the Christ. But the real question is, who do you say that he is? You sitting there this morning, who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Do you agree with the confession that Peter makes? that he is the Christ? And if you do, what a wonderful encouragement. And I'm not asking you if you just say the words. I remember as a young guy, someone said to me, if you ever feel uh, some demonic oppression when you're sleeping or something, just say Jesus Christ. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You just say the words and it's sort of a magic phrase that will make all the demons go away. I'm not asking you to just say Jesus is the Christ. I'm not asking you to throw words into the air. I'm asking you, what do you believe about Jesus? In your heart, who do you say that Jesus is? Do you agree with the disciples here that he is the Christ? You must. And um, the issue is, if you suffer from the problem of spiritual blindness, like I know every single person has, and you do not see Jesus clearly now, on the day of judgment, you will see him clearly, but not as the Christ, not as your prophet, not as your priest, not as your king. You will see him as your eternal judge. And you will see it vividly. So consider that question that needs to be considered. Who do you say he is? And uh, just another encouragement for those of you who actually confess with Peter, our brother, and you say that Jesus is the Christ. Let me give you one more encouragement because it's not time to kick up your feet and relax and say, well, I've made the confession. Look at verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. You have more work to do. If you are a person who confesses that Jesus is the Christ, you have blind friends, you have blind family members. Look at the example of these friends who could see what their friend who could not see. What did they do? They brought him to Jesus and they begged him to touch him. There is much prayer and much invitation ahead of us. We must be praying for those who are blind and be inviting them to come and hear the word, inviting them to Sunday gatherings, inviting them also to the week, the midweek gatherings, and pray, pray for those who are blind. And let's pray for them now. <clears throat> Lord, we are again so grateful and so thankful for your word. Lord, thank you that it gives us light and gives us life. Thank you, Lord, that in the word we see Jesus Christ revealed, the, the perfect 
imprint of the Father, the perfect imprint of God. Lord, we're so thankful that we can see him and know him. But Lord, we also know that we can have eyes, but yet not see. We can read the Bible and read these words about Christ and yet never know him as the Christ for ourselves. So Lord, we pray that you would go to work in the spiritual eyes of every person here. Lord, for those who do not know him, Lord, we know that it takes a miraculous touch from you. So Lord, would you be pleased to touch those who do not see Jesus Christ for who he is, the Christ, the Son of God. And would they come to worship him as the Christ and the Son of God. Lord, we know that we can employ any means we want to, but unless you, by your Holy Spirit, are active in those means, um, there will be no fruit. So we pray that you would be pleased, Lord, to use us, show how powerful you are, and that you can use weak vessels to accomplish your glorious ends. Do that, Lord, so that you would be glorified by all of these people. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.